Thank you for tuning in to the podcast of Lydia Brown Ministries, where we have a conversation about faith and bringing revival to your life. Well, hello, and thank you for tuning into this week's podcast. I am your host, Nick Raffel, and I'm joined today with my special guest, my sweetheart. How are you today, baby doll? I'm doing good. I'm so glad to be back with you today. I'm so glad that you're back with us today. <laughs> and to be a co-host on this In God We Trust series. Yes. I'm really looking forward to this week because Pastor Brian blew it away last week. You oh, guys. I enjoyed sitting here listening to your conversation. <laughs> yes. And I just believe it's going to get better and better because oh, you've got a good topic in store for this week. Yes, we sure do. We sure do. Uh, well, before we even like, you know, even get started, hey, Pastor Brian, how are you doing? I'm great, Nick. How are you? Oh, I'm doing awesome, man. I'm doing awesome. Uh, before we, we had a really good week last week. Before we dive into this week's topic, do you mind doing like a recap with our listeners what we talked about last week? Uh, sure. You know, we, we, you were asked the question, you know, what is the role of the church in American politics? And, you know, we went to First uh, Timothy chapter two, verses one and two, where uh, the Holy Spirit speaking through the Apostle Paul to Timothy said that, first of all, uh, that supplications and prayers and intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men and for kings and those who are in authority uh, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. And we began to talk about, you know, the church's obligation to pray for those who are in authority. And you notice that there was no pre-qualifiers to do that is, uh, you know, pray for them if they're uh, the party that you're affiliated with, you know, pray for them if you voted for them, uh, you know, it, it just said pray for people who are in authority because whether you voted for them or not, uh, they hold the, the reins of political power right. and they need to be prayed for, right? Uh, then we, you know, we talked about, um, you know, how when we pray, you know, for our prayers to be effective, Really, we need to know the word, that we need to be students of the word. We need to find out what is God's will. Because, you know, when we pray, we're not really trying to persuade God to do what we want him to do. Right. We're supposed to get in the word, find out what he wants to do, and then pray that his will be done, his will be done, and his, his kingdom come, and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? I mean, so uh, the importance of uh, being a student of the word, knowing what the word says, so that we even know uh, when we pray in our understanding how to pray according to the will of God. Oh, amen. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. It was such like a power packed, like week, you know, start to, you know, the series that we're talking about is understanding, you know, who we are, you know, and what we're supposed to do, you know, basically kind of like the fundamental functions before kind of like laying the groundwork of what we're going to be talking about. And, you know, the overall theme of this series and, you know, Pastor Brian, you know, kind of leading into, you know, the next question that, you know, that, <clears throat> you know, that I have for this week, every so often, every two, four, six years, or really anytime something comes up, um, specifically when it comes to like the First Amendment, you know, when it comes to our rights, you know, as a, um, you know, as a, um, as an American citizen. And that's also kind of like a sidestep too, that kind of ties into, you know, um, 
you know, with last week too, that, you know, that the Lord kind of put on me, you know, after that, we, after, you know, the episode I prayed about it is not only knowing your rights as a heavenly citizen, but also as an American citizen too, is understanding your rights um, as an American citizen. And ever so often I've noticed, like there's this rhetoric that always comes out of Washington It always comes out in, in the uh, media. And I think you kind of know where we're we're going with this, right, sweetheart? Where we're going with this, (laughs) Pastor Brian, it's, you know, we have the separation of church and state. You know, we can't do this because, you know, we have the separation of church and state. You know, Congress can't do this because we have a separation of church and state. You know, the Supreme Court cannot allow this because we have a separation of church and state. And it's like every time separation of church and state, separation of church and state. And I'm kind of making a point because it kind of gets annoying a few years after a while. <laughs> but I think for this week, the, the question that the Lord really put on my heart is, what is the origin of the concept of the separation of church and state? I feel like a lot of people talk about it, but they don't really understand what that comes from. And as one thing, you know, being a, you know, being, you know, understanding government and studying government and studying history is we look back on these things. And I really started thinking, I, if I don't, if I'm not, if I'm not watchful and I'm not mindful, I start getting kind of worked up about it because I think a lot of people don't understand, misunderstand they misunderstand what, what the separation of church and state actually means. So Pastor Brian, you being a, you know, a government, you know, historian or a government scholar. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yes. What would you, um, what is the origin of the concept of church and state? Yeah. Um, You know, you know, Nick, uh, a lot of times the people who are opposed to anything, uh, godly, anything biblical being uh, part of our public dialogue in the United States. Um, you know, if you only have, if you, if the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail, right? Have you ever heard that? And so they pull out the old separation of church and state comment. Well, we can't do that because of separation of church and state. And uh, I heard someone say one time, and I like to say that when people pull it out and say, well, you know, that whole separation of church and state in the constitution. And I'll say, can you tell me what article that's in? Really, though? Yeah. And, uh, you know, most of them, will, well, I don't know where it's at, but you know it's in there. And I'm like, well, no, I've read it quite a few times, and I've never seen the phrase separation of church and state in the Constitution. Right. And uh, so the phrase itself uh, comes from a letter that Thomas Jefferson wrote to uh, the Danbury Baptist Association of Connecticut, I think in 1806, is after his election, and uh, the, the Danbury Baptist Association, they had written a letter uh, to then President Thomas Jefferson, and they were expressing concern that, uh, that they may be subject to discrimination or persecution, uh, you know, because the Baptist denomination was a minority uh, denomination in the United States. And I mean, and, if you, and so Thomas Jefferson, when he wrote a letter in response to them, he was basically telling them that the Constitution was written in such a way that it uh, erected a wall of separation of the church and state. And like I said, that phrase doesn't appear any place in the Constitution. It's, it's, they take this phrase from a letter that Thomas Jefferson wrote to the Danbury Baptist Association. Now, 
people critics will say, yeah, but he was he was saying that the principle was in in the Constitution itself. You know, the Constitution does talk about that there's uh, that there'll be no uh, respect, you know, establishment of a, of a religion. Yeah, you know, the, the religion uh, clause, and the way that's worded is saying that the government will not establish a national religion. Right. And, and so people were concerned about it. You got to look at things in a historical context, you know, even like the, the Puritans, when the Puritans come uh, to America, uh, you look at England, it, you know, the, the church of England was Anglican church, you know, Henry the eighth uh, wanted a, a divorce from his wife and the Pope wouldn't give it to him. So he split with the Catholic church um, and founded the Anglican Church of England, which basically looked, you know, in practice, looked like a mirror image uh, of the Catholic Church with the exception of the king was the head of the church instead of the pope, right? And so uh, if you were not Anglican, which was the state church of England, it's also known as the Church of England, right? If you weren't Anglican, uh, then you were subject to uh, persecution from the government, you go a little further back, you know, you, you go across the English Channel and you look at uh, Western Europe that had been plagued by, you know, so-called wars of religion, which were really just boiled right down to most of them were political, political wars that they put a religious sticker on to try to make them look noble. So the founders of the country, you know, and Thomas Jefferson, he was a, a, an absolute scholar, knew, knew history very well. And, uh, you know, he... Um, he was aware of this history, this tendency of, of governments that had a state established religion to, procur- to persecute people who weren't part of it. So, right. when, they, so when they wrote the, the Constitution, it, it wasn't saying that there's, we're not going to allow any public expression of faith or, or spirituality. It's just that the government is not going to have an official religion where people who are outside of that feel vulnerable uh, to potential persecution. Right. No, absolutely. And, you know, and for that clarification too, it's just like, you know, uh, there's nowhere in the constitution where it states, you know, they're, you know, verbatim, you know, the separation of church and state, you know, um, one of my mentors, you know, Mike Bost, yeah, I know he's one of my, um, you know, he's a member of Congress and, you know, he was someone who had a great influence on my life, you know, politically, but also personally too. And I actually got the, you know, really it was a blessing just to kind of, uh, work alongside him, uh, alongside him. And he said something that really kind of stuck to me. Um, he said, the constitution is the most quoted, least read document in, in, uh, Congress, Absolutely. That is absolutely 100% true. And so one thing that he did that stuck with me is that he, inside of his suit coat, he would always keep a pocket um, size of the constitution of the United States. And so I have one and (laughs) I got Lydia one too, (laughs) whenever we first started dating. And that's something that, you know, that really like stuck with me too, is just like, you know, understanding what your rights are, not as not just as a citizen of heaven, but also as an American citizen, too, because if you don't know, that is the alarming part of it, too, because, you, I mean, you look throughout history, you know, like what Thomas Jefferson was writing about is like, hey, we have been through this before where there was no separation of church and, 
you know, there was no separation here to where there was a state church to where if you said anything against it, they would try to govern through it to where they would, you know, basically discriminate against you. We're going to tell you how to think, how to feel, what to believe, how to pray, what to eat and everything to where really what it boils down to, it's really totalitarianism. If you look at it, absolutely. I mean, you see that throughout history. We saw that with the, I mean, as far back as the Roman empire too. Um, and then you can go throughout scripture, you know, through the old Testament in the old Testament, you know, prophecies, you know, the, the, um, the kingdom that was made of iron that you see about that, that was the Roman empire. They yep. ruled with an iron fist, basically they symbolized power. And that was the main thing that they really focused on. I mean, we saw that in, you know, in fascism, you know, the rise of, you know, the Nazi part, you know, the party in Nazi Germany, but also in, um, you know, with Mussolini coming out of Italy too, to where they all had a central church that was from the state. <clears throat> and that's what a lot of people, a lot of Americans um, and what a lot of believers should be aware of is that there's no, you know, subject in the constitution that says that we do have this separation of church and state, which kind of brings a side question to pastor Brian is like, is that necessarily because it's not in the constitution? Is it a, any ground of like legal action whatsoever? So, um, there was a, I've read several books. Uh, uh, there's a Christian historian named David Barton. I love David. I've heard of Dave Barton's got a lot of good stuff. I remember as I was teaching through the civics class last, last year, the students, and I can't remember the Supreme court case. Um, but there was a Supreme court case. It was a relatively recent case. Seems like it was in the fifties. And I say, I know people think fifties is recently. I said, well, when you're talking in the, in the context of 250 years of history, 50 years ago is recently, right. Um, that there was a, and you understand, we know that the law legal cases, um, are judged on precedent, right? You know, right. a lot of times if there's been a, a ruling on something, uh, people will go back and use that ruling for precedent uh, for something uh, that's been ruled. Now, obviously, there was a huge political earthquake here in the country just a few months ago when Roe versus Wade got overturned, right? So a lot of people act like that judicial uh, precedence is like the the third tablet that come off the mountain with Moses that can't be changed, right? But, right. but we know that there's bad court rulings that later on can be overturned. Right. Uh, I can't remember the particulars of the case, and I apologize for not, but just right off the top of my head, there was a case where the Supreme Court, uh, like I said, I think in the 50s, ruled in a case, and they used separation of church and state. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, uh, judges are as political as any other politician, no matter how apolitical they want to try to portray themselves, right? Uh, and so that created a legal legal precedent but i would say that in light of the constitution to to pull that in and try to use that phrase from a non-constitutional source and use it in a constitutional law case i would say uh, in my humble opinion that that was a a poor judicial decision right. and not one that's worthy of precedent right so they they do have one but again, like I said, in, especially in light of current uh, court rulings, I think it's safe that we can assume that uh, there's no court ruling. Uh, you could just because you made a bad one 70 years ago doesn't mean it gets 
grandfathered in, right? Exactly. No, 100% too. Because that's what, that's what a lot of people, you know, a lot of Americans really need to focus on. One thing that I really appreciate about, you know, what you guys do, you know, at Anchor Faith, but, you know, Anchor Faith Church, but also in like Washington School too as well, is that you really take the time to teach, you know, your students the functionality of government, the purpose of government, but also the structure of government too, that, you know, as much as, you know, ju- the judicial system is supposed to be apolitical, which it's supposed to be, but it's not always, unfortunately. But yeah. the main thing is to check to say, where does this line up in the Constitution? That's what they're supposed to do, but they don't. And which, yeah, like you said, just because it was a bad precedent doesn't mean that we have to, you know, support it for you know, 50 years, but praise God, you know, with Roe versus Wade being overturned, because I think, you know, the church actually prayed and actually took, you know, took their place of authority and actually did things, not just in, you know, the natural, but also in the supernatural as well, that we saw the fruits of it 100%. Amen. Amen. And that, that was a step in the right direction, but now that it's gone back to the States, we want to continue to pray. Yeah. Do what you guys are talking exactly. about. Um, that, you know, it never should have been that way in the first place. No. But um, there's still a lot of prayer that we yeah. that we've got to we got to pray some things out because 100%. God God wants to. Um, this is his country. Yeah. This is his nation. You know, who was it that said um, we were listening, I believe, to Dr. Billy Brim. Yeah. And she said that. Um, Israel is a nation because God loves Israel, right. but America is the only nation that was formed because they loved God. That's good. That's yeah. good. That is so good. And even throughout our founding foundings too, you know, with Jonathan, you know, Jonathan Edwards, uh, John Withrop, um, and all of these, you know, the black robe regiment too. I mean, it's really rooted with our love for, for God and for, you know, the word too. And so, Pastor Brian, if you will, uh, just follow the Holy Ghost, um, you know, as we transition into next week, um, how to like really encourage, you know, the listener and the believer as to where they where they're at right now. Amen. Um, You want me to just pray? Let's pray. Absolutely. One hundred percent. Amen. So, Father, we come to you in Jesus name and uh, Lord, we just pray that Lord, that the conversation that we're having in this podcast, uh, that we're being led by the Holy Spirit. And Father, we pray that you're helping it to find the ears of people who are hungry and willing to hear and want to know what your word has to say. Now, Father, your word speaks to everything of significance in our lives. And your word expresses your will, Father, and your will and your word, it always produces uh, love and life. And as Father, we just pray that you would just help us to have revelation how to apply the truth of your word in our everyday life. And then, and then even in the, the part of our life where we participate and we're active politically in the country that you've placed us in. And we give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Well, Pastor Brian, thank you so much for joining us again. It is such an honor. Thank you for being with us. Yeah. My pleasure, Lydia and Nick. I appreciate you guys so much. (laughs) Hey, well, we appreciate you. And we are looking forward to next week. For all of you who are listening, be sure to tune in because we're going to be talking about how we should vote. Amen. It's very important. So be sure to pay this podcast forward, share it with someone else. And until next time, this is Nick Rafael and Lydia. And we love you guys. And remember that Jesus is coming soon. Thank you for tuning into this week's podcast. This episode was brought to you by the partners of Lydia Brown Ministries. For more ways to connect with us or to sow into our ministry, please visit the links in the podcast description. 